Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, Colts fans? What is up? The Colts treating us right once again this week and giving us plenty to talk about. This is the Believe in Indianapolis Colts podcast. I'm your host, Jake Arthur, here on the Believe Podcast Network, a number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Never miss an episode of the show by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. Please give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes as well. And I'll also be a jerk and tease some big news for the show that I'll announce here at the end. So stay tuned for that. The Colts laid this smackdown on Sunday, going out to Las Vegas and beating the Raiders 44-27 for their fourth consecutive road win. It was also the most points the Colts have scored in a game since week 13 of 2014. We've been looking for them to give us a complete 60-minute effort from all three phases, offense, defense, and special teams for a while, and this was it. As a result of this win, the Colts are now 9-4 and and tied with the Tennessee Titans atop the AFC South. The Titans technically hold the tiebreaker, so the Colts are going to need to keep winning. They are currently in the 6th AFC playoff spot out of 7. If the Browns can beat the Ravens on Monday night, then that will be a huge favor for the Colts, as they'll be a game up on 7th place Miami and 2 up on the Ravens and Raiders with 3 games remaining. Before we break down Sunday's action, let's hear from our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you once again by BetOnline. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. In our pregame show, I said I liked the Colts' 2.5 point favorites with the over on total points of 50.5. Well, ladies and gents, we nailed all three this week. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Alright, some of the main storylines in this one, starting with injuries as always. Uh, The only player ruled out for the Colts earlier in the week was punter Rigoberto Sanchez. Uh, He's of course still working his way back from having a cancerous tumor removed a couple weeks ago. Ryan Allen continued to fill in as the Colts punter, and he actually just punted one time. I think he only punted twice the week before, so he hasn't he hasn't really been needed much. Uh, the Colts got back Anthony Costanzo, Kari Willis, and Bobby Okariki, who all missed at least the last game with injuries. Costanzo actually briefly had to leave the field, and got we got a look at Quentin Nelson at left tackle, but then Costanzo came back. As for the Raiders, their most notable injury was not having rookie starting cornerback Damon Arnett, who was dealing with a concussion and neck injury. The Colts' mantra the last couple years has been run the damn ball, and they did just that on Sunday, racking up a season-high 212 yards as rookie running back Jonathan Taylor 
led them with a personal best 150 yards on the ground. And holy hell, Kenny Moore. The Colts do-it-all slot defender was at it once again this week against the Raiders. After putting up eight tackles, an interception, and three pass breakups last week, Kenny had five tackles, an interception, a pass breakup, and a forced fumble late in the game that helped kill Las Vegas' hope this week. We'll hear from both of those guys here in a bit, but up first is Colts head coach Frank Reich, who spoke to reporters after the game about the team's huge performance. Before we get started, I just want to say, uh, apologize, I just want to say a personal word here. Um, and, you know, so I hope I don't offend anybody. I just want to say this, though. Uh, Tony Dungy started a tradition when he was here about all, the, you know, some players and coaches, you know, doing a read through the Bible in the year. And, and we've continued that tradition. And this morning um, in our daily reading, I read something that just really moved me. And, you know, given the time of year and everything everybody's went through, I just wanted to share this, um, that uh, this morning was reading in Revelation 5. And as I was reading it, I was reading it out loud and was literally in my room uh, weeping with joy. And, you know, that's it's that time of year. Uh, a lot of people have been through a lot of hard things. And I just wanted to share that that's just a, a, a passage that I read through this morning that was just gave me sobbing joy. I could barely get through reading it out loud and gave me confidence and strength and wanted to share that um, with everyone out there. Okay, obviously a big win, a huge win and uh, a great team win in all three phases, complete, dominant. Um, really proud of the guys. We had a great week of practice. Uh, Kenny's play was huge. Um, obviously the pick six by Kari, Jonathan's huge day, T.Y. another big day, Phillip was unreal, the offensive line played great, Q gets his first snaps in the NFL at left tackle um, when, when Costanzo was out for a little bit, that was fun. Um, so many good things in all three phases. Um, you know, we talked about all week, uh, just dialing in, getting ready for this game and walking off that field, the most physical team on the field today and I believe we accomplished that against a good team uh, a very good team and a dangerous team so uh, feel good about the way we played today as far as injuries um, you know we had Xavier uh, with the with the knee but he was not ruled out and then Darius had the back same thing was not ruled out but we'll monitor those guys as we go so open it up for questions all right Joel Erickson you want to start us off Frank, uh, what about the toughness that Anthony gave you playing? Uh, he, he played well. He didn't quite look like himself to me, but he, he played really well despite not looking. Really proud of AC. Really, really proud of AC. Um, that's, that's what leaders do. He, know, he knew this was a huge game. Um, you know, we needed him out there, even if he's at 70 or 80%. You know, that's, that, he's that good. He's that good. And so, you know, he took a second to regroup. He took a second to regroup and, uh, you know, sucked it up and came out there and did a great job. You could tell at first, as you said, that, you know, um, he didn't look like himself for a couple snaps, but then I thought he settled in pretty well. Stephen Holder. Hey, Frank, um, I'm wondering if you could just kind of tell me what, if anything, uh, you see different uh, about Jonathan Taylor's approach uh, as the season has gone along. Um, he, he just seems to have a better uh, understanding of, you know, 
when to be aggressive and when to be patient and things like that. I mean, is there is there anything there? No, there's definitely something there. Just a, I believe we've been talking about just a confidence and he's seeing it, the game slowing down. Uh, we've been talking about this as an offense um, the whole year. Um, even when we weren't quite getting everything that we wanted, the yardage that we wanted, we just kept saying, guys, be patient. We're getting better. We're getting, just believe it. We're doing the little things right. There's things that we're doing that we're getting better. We're not reaping all the benefits of it now, but stay with it. I really believe that. And um, we've talked a lot about that as an offense that, you know, that we're going to be ascending at just the right time. And uh, so, and Jonathan's a big part of that with the way he's seeing it and, and the way he's running it. Do you have to kind of go against your instinct sometimes just as a human being or even as a coach in those moments that you're talking about, if, if it's not coming, but still stick with it? There's no doubt. Um, and, and that just, it, it, I think it comes from belief in the people, belief in the players, but I think it also comes from experience, you know, and trusting the process and knowing and, you know, having been there before and seeing that happen and knowing that, that we do have something, I believe, special as a team. Um, now we still got, you know, we got a long way to go and we got a lot to prove, but uh, we did what we had to do today. Mike Chapel. Frank, you're always about the details and there were a hundred and probably 30, 140 plays today, but don't the really good teams make those five or six plays didn't make a difference. So 62 yard touchdown TY with the uh, touchdown catch Kenny Moore with the great, the pick six, isn't that really what separates teams? Yeah, we really, yes, uh, I do believe that. Uh, you're, and you're, you're just naming off. We got a lot of playmakers, but those are a handful of them right there that you were rolling off, chap. Um, you know, you, you stay on the details, stay disciplined in the little things, and that's what sets your guys up to make the big plays. And we saw that today. I mean, Kenny's pick was unreal. TY was, again, incredible. Um, Philip was on point the whole game. Yeah, so, and, and that's really our MO. And I know everybody says that and, and everybody believes that to some degree, but I really believe it's deep in our core. I really, really believe that we have a, a the philosophy of one play at a time, the philosophy of get 1% better every day, the philosophy of, you know, bring the energy and execution one play at a time is part of our DNA. Wish TV. Coach, I want to build off that comment from Kenny because if you really, if it boils down to it, he's responsible for 10 points today, you know, taking away seven, forcing three, that game ceiling fumble at the end. I mean, what was going through your mind as you watched that one-handed pick and, and especially that game sealer at the end? I didn't know if Odell Beckham Jr. was, uh, you know, playing defense for us, right? With that catch. I mean, that was unbelievable. Uh, I had to, I had to stop for a second there. I mean, that, that, did he actually catch that ball? Um, it was it was one of those it was one of those almost once in a lifetime catches. Just a tremendous play. Zach Kiefer, Frank. It sounds crazy to say this, but this is the first time you've had Ty Hilton healthy in December since you've been the head coach, and we've seen what he's done to the offense the last couple of weeks. Was this something? that surprised you that he's broken out the way he has? Was it tough for him to be patient at times? Or was this something you just always figured if we just start throwing him the ball, this guy could really get things going? Yeah, I mean, it's just a credit to TY. You know, I've said this a couple of times, but I really, it bears saying again, and I'm glad you asked the question because 
you know, when I tell you that there has not been one time that TY has complained, there's not been one time that TY has had a bad attitude. He's just unbelievably so unselfish leader. Um, just getting himself right, trusting the process, allowing the chemistry to develop between he and Philip. And, and then, like you said, he's just healthy. He's just healthy and strong right now. And uh, we feel that. And that's been discussed and talked about in the past couple of weeks. And um, so this is a good time for him to, you know, be at full strength and, and leading the way for us. All right, we'll go three more, Jim Aiello. Frank, I think maybe there's been a couple times where the where the passing offense and the rushing offense have looked as good as it did today in the same game. Um, maybe the Tennessee game, the first one. But how how lethal or dynamic does your offense get, and how scary can you guys be if you're all if you're clicking on on all cylinders in both aspects, you know, going forward for these last few games? I mean, yes, I believe that we can be that. I believe that we can be that good. But uh, you know, obviously, this was a big day. It, it's hard to put put up that those numbers every week, you know, in this league, but we did it today. And, um, and so it's a credit to the players, you know, and we have the personnel to do that. That's what I'm excited about. We have the personnel up front in our offensive line, in our backs, in our tight ends, you know, to be dominant in a run game. And we have the personnel, you know, outside and that quarterback, you know, to be dominant in the pass game and, and to be really good. And, uh, that's what we keep saying that one Chris and I talk about this a lot. You know, I just don't feel like there's a weakness um, on the team. You know, we're good in all three phases. You know, we're good within the phase within each phase at things, but we still have to play good football. I mean, we have to play good football or we'll get beat. So, but we got the right players and we just got to keep finding ways to get better. Mike Wells. Hey, Frank, I want to go touch base on T.Y. again. I know you've talked about him some over the past week or so. But what's it say about T.Y.'s character when you think about you've been around the game for a long time, and when a guy is in a free agent year and he's not getting the ball, some players may, you know, publicly complain about not getting the ball and not being a bigger part of the offense. So what's it say about his character that he, you, you've you not heard any complaining from T.Y. about what's been going on? Yeah. I wish I could find the right words to – because I know like stuff like this gets said all the time, but this guy is a unique player and he's a unique leader on this team. And, you know, it says the world about him and whatever I say about his character and his leadership on this team, I'm, it's not going to be enough because um, like you, all those things are true. He has every, he had every reason to show just show one sign of not being happy. Just show one sign of being selfish, right? Just just show that you're human, right? And that you're struggling with it. I never saw it. And um, it's just a real credit to him. All right, we'll go last one, Phil B. Hey coach, a quick compliment on the Wildcat today. <laughs> nice, I appreciate that. <laughs> I figured you'd some, you want somebody to mention that. Well, Naheem was, Naheem's been waiting for that. When we've had it in for a couple of weeks and just in uh, today, we got the right chance to run it. Um, when you get Ty going early as a play caller, how much does your life get more simplified? And being able to to run the ball as well as you did with the run lanes open. Yeah, I mean he, he does. I mean it loosens it up. You know they're going to play a little bit more middle field open coverages um, to get the run game going. But um, you know we just did a good job executing. Just thought 
uh, you know, Nick and the offensive coaches did a good job of designing some things. So even against their middle field open coverages, we were able to get a shot play. And obviously we executed it well, T.Y., Phillip, the offensive line, the whole deal. I mean, we just, the things that were in for those things were, were just executed well. And when T.Y. gets going early, there's just an, an energy to what we're doing that, and the defense feeds off it as well, and the special team. So it's the whole team. On offense, the Colts put up a season high 456 yards on 59 plays. That's 7.7 yards per play. They were 8 of 11 on third down, which is 72.7%, which meant they never wound up having to go for it on fourth down. They were 2 of 5 in the red zone, which is 40%. They also had zero turnovers for the sixth time this season and punted just once. It was the team's highest net yardage total since week 8 of 2018 and their best third down conversion rate since week 11 of 2010. Passing the ball, Phillip Rivers was dealing it once again, and it looked like he was moving around a lot better with that toe injury that he's been nursing for the last few weeks. He was 19 of 28 passing for 244 yards with an 8.7 yards per attempt and two touchdowns, and he was not sacked, which ended up giving him a passer rating of 118.7. It was the third time this season that the Colts did not allow a sack. Rivers' primary receiver for the third consecutive game, the Colts' leading receiver was T.Y. Hilton, who had himself a day yet again. He pulled in five of seven targets for 86 yards, which is a 17.2-yard average, and two touchdowns. It's the 11th multi-touchdown game of his career. With those touchdowns, he passed Lenny Moore for the fifth most receiving touchdowns in franchise history, and he also passed Joseph Adai and tied Jimmy Orr, for the ninth most total touchdowns in team history with 50. Running the ball, again, the Colts had their biggest game of the season. They accumulated 212 yards on 31 carries, which is a 6.8 average and two touchdowns. Naheem Hines had 58 yards on seven carries, and Jonathan Taylor led the way with a career-high 150 on 20 carries, which is a 7.5 average and both of those touchdowns. His first touchdown came on a single carry career long 62 yard touchdown he just had an enormous amount of space to work with and he absolutely turned on the afterburners to get there he reached 1000 yards from scrimmage on the season becoming just the fourth colt to do so in their first 12 games he joins edrin james marshall falk and joseph adai so that's pretty great company his 150 rushing yards are the most by a colts rookie since adai in 2006 and Taylor is the first Colts rookie to have multiple 100-yard rushing games in the same season since Joseph died. Speaking of Taylor, he also caught up with reporters after the game. Here he is. Jonathan, on a personal level, did, did you need that breakaway run just a little bit to, to show you still have it? You can do it at this level? I mean, it, it did feel good. Um, and one of the things coming into to this league, having the mindset, you hear it a lot. I mean, it's tough. It's, it's hard to get yards in this league. So, you know, getting a bit of fresh air was was definitely fulfilling. Um, but we know that, you know, Philip always talks about a new Chappie. We got to begin again uh, starting next week. But it definitely felt good to get some fresh air. Joel Erickson. Jonathan, uh, did it take any time for you to figure out or to get used to running out of the shotgun? Um, I know at Wisconsin, you guys are more under center. Yeah, we did a little bit of a shotgun at Wisconsin more my junior year, my final year there. Uh, we did it a, a little bit. And um, like you said, we're mostly under center. And, you know, really, it's just a, a timing element uh, in, in the shotgun. Things are kind of a little bit more uh, 
quicker, you know, in your reads a little bit because things kind of define because you're already at the line. Sometimes you might have to be a little bit more patient because you are so close. So um, different plays uh, require different timing. And I think that's one of the biggest things that was a, an adjustment is, you know, realizing the different timings on the different kind of schemes you have from the gun. Stephen Holder. Jonathan, uh, just how much have you grown just this year? You know, your role changed, uh, you're on a different level. And I'm just wondering, you, it seems, it looks like you've grown. Just how much do you think you've grown both as a player and then just as a person having to, you know, kind of endure some, some tough times? Yeah, I, I think I've grown a lot. And I think one of the biggest things, um, just from a, a football aspect, uh, is just realizing, hey, no matter when your number is called, you know, at this level, you're obligated, your job is to go in there and execute at a high level. Uh, that's why you're here. Um, and one of the biggest things, a personal level, um, I was never a selfish guy at all. So really that that wasn't a, a big thing for me, but just the biggest thing was the football aspect was realizing, hey, no matter when your number is called, you must execute at a high level because you never know. That could be the play that doesn't determine the game, but it could be a big factor in, you know, changing the game either your way or the other team's way. Demiello. Jonathan, two questions. How, how good was the offensive line in front of you today? And then do you feel like, you know, Frank said about confidence for you. Do you feel like you, you have a confidence maybe in that rapport you've built with the offensive line over these first few months now? Oh, yeah, the offensive line was, was definitely clicking today. Um, you know, reads were, were clicking. My reads were, were clicking today. And one of the biggest things um, is just realizing that, that timing element that I mentioned, uh, you know, and you mentioned building that rapport. So going throughout these few months, just being able to build that rapport, build up those reps of those timings between the different kind of schemes that you'll have from the gun or where if it's under center um, and, and knowing those guys that you have up front. And I think that that was a big thing. All right, we'll go two more. Wish TV. Jonathan, I was going to ask about the offensive line, so I'll dial in a little bit more. Uh, what did it mean for you to be behind them, especially AC being banged up, big Q having to move over to the left side? Just what does that say about them? I think it just shows you their toughness and their versatility. Uh, and, and that's what you want out of an offensive line. You want guys that are, are smart and you want guys that are, are be able to be versatile. Um, and I think it just shows that how smart they are, but that they're able to move around, interchange positions, because there's a lot of different little details that go into each position, whether it's tackle or guard. So those guys being able to, to switch around and being able to, to play tough through, you know, being banged up. I mean, it says a lot. All right, last one, Mike Chappell. Jonathan, you guys go for over 200 yards today. I mean, there were times that you, I don't want to say grinded it out because there weren't a lot of those, but then you hit 62 and Naheem goes 31 and you had some other 12, 17. Just the importance of having chunk plays, either running game or passing game for an offense. From your eyes, what's the importance of that? It's really important. You always want to stay ahead of schedule. You know, you always want to stay ahead of the sticks. Um, whenever you can get in an eight yard play or a five yard play versus a three or, or a two yard play. I mean, it's, it just opens up the playbook that much more instead of narrowing the playbook down uh, when you get behind the stick. So that's one of the biggest things is winning first and second down, <clears throat> excuse me, so that, you know, when third down comes, you're, you're in third and manageable or, you know, you're not in third down at all. You just keep me in first downs. On the defensive side of the ball for the Colts, the Raiders had 424 yards of offense on 68 plays. That's a 6.2 average. And that's actually the second highest total the Colts have allowed this year. The Raiders were 8 of 12 on third down, which is 66.7%. And they were also 2 of 5 in the red zone at 40%. And they turned the ball over three times.
Those turnovers were two interceptions, which was an incredible one-handed interception in the back of the end zone in front of tight end Darren Waller by Kenny Moore, and a 50-yard pick six by Kari Willis late in the game. There was also the fumble that Moore forced, which was recovered by Taylor Stallworth. The Colts now have four interceptions returned for touchdowns on the season, which is tied for their most in franchise history, and the most that an NFL team has had since the Bears did that in 2018. The Colts have five defensive touchdowns total this year and six if you include their kickoff return for a touchdown. And this next stat may only interest me, uh, but the Colts have five different defenders this year who have multiple interceptions, and those players account for all four of the Colts' pick sixes. Passing the ball, Raiders quarterback Derek Carr was 31 of 45 passing, which is 68.9% for 316 yards and a 7.0 YPA. He had two touchdowns and the two interceptions. He also was not sacked, and that's something the Colts are really going to have to reflect on moving forward because they are going to have to get to the, to the quarterback. On the ground, the Colts shot that down. The Raiders had 79, 79 yards and a touchdown on 22 carries, which is a 3.6 average. Josh Jacobs led the way with 13 carries for 49 yards, which is a 3.8 average. It was the fourth fewest rushing yards allowed by the Colts this season and the fourth time that they have held an opponent to under 80 rushing yards. After the game, Moore spoke to the media about his huge performance. Kenny, I think Charles Davis on TV copy, he thought maybe you, you shifted over on your coverage on the interception. Was that your original assignment or was that instinct? Oh, yes, sir. I was just doing what I was supposed to do. Just make a play. Mike Chappell. <clears throat> yeah, when it comes to making plays, I mean, isn't that one of your uh, better plays you've made? I mean, one-handed reaction instincts. How do you walk us through that? In, in, what's your impression of it? Um, well, on that call, I was just uh, reading Renfro, and uh, you know, he went out and Waller stayed up, and um, I just, I just made a play. I, I, I saw a car um, eyeing them two before the play. Um, I know he won at one of them, but you know, when he get down there, he wanted a touchdown. He don't want to go out with three. So um, I know he wanted the big play. Kevin Bone. Kenny, um, you, your play before the interception, how would you describe it? And then how about your ability to respond the rest of the way and the plays that you made the rest of the game? Um, the ball is up and uh, I told myself to go get it. Um, you know, certain instances you want to, you want to, you want to make a pass break up, but I told myself to catch it. Um, I couldn't flip my hips to get a uh, better ball, better body control, but um, I just had to jump the highest I could to go get it. I mean, your play during the game, like leading up to that play before the interception and then how you responded the rest of the way. I was frustrated to be honest. Um, early in the game, I gave up a touchdown. Um, and then on that long drive uh, that the interception happened on, I got a I got a horse collar that cannot happen. Um, it's my second one of the season, so um, I was I was pretty frustrated that drive. But um, just being in this defense and being coachable, um, we're coached to stay poised um, throughout the down and each play. Uh, you know, you just got to stay on the cycle to snap. Um, each play is going to be a new play, so um, you just got to keep playing. All right, we'll go two more. Taylor Tannenbaum. You kind of feed off the whole underdog vibe coming out of where you came from, being undersized. 
Do you feel like now you're starting to get the respect you deserve? Uh, and if not, when do you think it comes or do you not really care? You kind of like still being the underdog. Um, I want to be the underdog. I want to have the chip on my shoulder. Um, no one owes, owes me anything. Um, you know, I've always been the the guy in the back of the line. I've, I've always been the one to, to have to overcome things. Nothing was given to me, um, you know, growing up and, and coming to this point. So, um, you know, everything that has happened, I have worked for um, with God's grace and mercy. So um, I'm just going to keep working. All right, last one, Zach Kiefer. Kenny, you uh, mentioned the touchdown you gave up and the horse collar. What do you tell yourself on the sideline after those plays? And then what happens after the interception? Like, how does that change your your mindset for the rest of the game? Uh, just keep going. You know, I, I can't control something that has already happened. Um, I can just, I just have to put my hands down. I have to have better coverage. Um, but I'm out there with 10 other guys that want to go hard. So uh, we just encourage each other just to keep going because you know, it's a long game. It's up and down, and um, we're just we're just coached to be like that. We're trained to be like that, and and it's it's pretty much like life. Like you just can't, you know, uh, sit down whenever something bad happens or whenever things doesn't go your way. You just got to keep striving and, and and believe in yourself and and fix your mistakes and just keep going. So uh, something great is gonna come from that if you stay positive. How many text messages did you have after the game? <laughs> Probably had like five hundred. Uh, probably so. I haven't even looked at my phone much, but um, yeah, it's, it is it is going crazy. I'm talking to my family right now. I've got to throw a special teams note in there this week as well. Colts rookie kicker Rodrigo Blankenship converted all three of his field goals from 20, 25, and 35 yards, as well as all five extra points for a total of 14 points on the day. He passed Raul Alegre for the most points by a Colts rookie in franchise history at 112, and he also tied Mike Vanerjack for the second most field goals made by a rookie in franchise history at 27. That is it for this week, everybody. Thanks for being with me today, as always. A huge Colts win this week, uh, but they've got to make sure to keep it up so that they can lock up a playoff spot and maybe even overtake Tennessee for the AFC South lead if they slip up. So I teased some big news at the top of the show, so here it is. Starting on our pregame show later this week, I will no longer be the only person hosting this show. I am psyched to announce that Zach Hicks will be my new co-host going forward. Pretty much all my favorite podcasts have at least two people, and I'm sure you guys can probably agree with that. Uh, So luckily it won't just be me awkwardly talking to you all, and I'll be able to talk with someone to you guys. Uh, I started the show in September, and now that I've got this thing kind of off the ground and rolling a little bit, I thought it was time to add someone to the mix, and Zach's the perfect choice. I'm sure most of you are, most of you are already familiar with his work. He's been on here a couple times, uh, but he works with Stampede Blue, and he's also got quite a presence on Twitter also. Uh, like me, he's a big draft nerd, and he does a lot of film review stuff for Stampede, so I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen his work before. Uh, so yeah, again, I'm I'm very happy to announce that bit of news for the show. I think it's definitely going to give it a little more juice and probably flow a little better uh, since I myself am, I guess, an outgoing introvert. It's a little odd for me to just talk by myself, so uh, hopefully it uh, gets even better from here. Absolutely remember to subscribe to the show now and uh, rate and review us on iTunes. We can be found on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. 
We are also now finally on iHeartRadio. So if uh, if you are into that, go ahead and book us up there as well. Follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Believe in Colts. Me at Jake Arthur NFL on Twitter and Facebook, as well as Jake Arthur underscore on Instagram, and Zach at Zach Hicks two on Twitter. You can find my written work with Sports Illustrated at AllColts.com and Zach's on StampedeBlue.com. If you have any questions that you'd like us to answer on the show, please send them through email at BelieveInColts at gmail.com or respond when we send out the call for questions on Twitter. Today's show was sponsored by Bet Online. If you're interested in advertising on Believe Podcasts, please contact Believe at Believe.com or if you're just interested in our show, shoot us an email. Zach and I will be with you later in the week to chat about the Colts in their second meeting with the Houston Texans in the last three weeks. We should also be having some pretty dynamite guests as well, so get ready. Have a great week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.